This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Hey friends, thank you for clicking on this episode. If you feel it might be for you, consider joining our patron monthly membership. There are interesting and unique member perks. Each tier offers humble tokens of my appreciation. To learn more, check it out on patreon.com forward slash yoga and podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast. There's also a link in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this upcoming episode. Welcome, friends, to Yoga and Podcast. This show brings the science and the magic of yoga and mind-body practices down to earth for the everyday person to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher and forever student who is oh so curious about all things yoga and. I am so happy to chat with Sherry Walling on today's episode. She is a clinical psychologist, speaker, yoga teacher, and the podcaster of Zen Founder. It is a great show. Check it out when you get a chance. Sherry will share with us her new book, Touching Two Worlds, A Guide to Finding Hope in the Landscape of Loss. Today's episode is all about living in grief and joy and how yoga can help us during these trying times. Sherry was a delight to talk to, and I know you are going to get a lot of information out of this episode. You are going to love it. So let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. Joining us on today's show is clinical psychologist, speaker, podcaster, and yoga teacher, Sherry Walling. Sherry will share with us her new book, Touching Two Worlds, A Guide for Finding Hope in the Landscape of Loss. Hello, Sherry. How are you today? I'm wonderful. It's great to be with you, Ashley. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I've read your book. I love your book. Um, very, very lucky I get to read it before it comes out. So thank you for that gift. Would you like to share a bit more in depth about your new book, Touching Two Worlds? 
Yeah. So Touching Two Worlds is a book all about grief and it's about how to really dwell in both grief and joy at the same time. And I found myself doing a deep dive into how to explore that question because I had a series of really significant losses in my life. I lost my dad to cancer and my brother to suicide within six months of each other. And so I was sort of in this place of whiplash of going back and forth between a life that I loved, raising young children, growing a business, you know, having this sort of flourishing life, and then also really needing to be present with the heaviness, the tragedy, the sort of deep sadness that comes with grief. So part of my process was to write about it. And that's what happened. Yeah. And it's beautifully written. And what I love about your book is it's such a valuable resource, not only for someone who has gone through loss personally, but for those who might have a loved one who's gone through loss and they don't quite understand it. Um, was this your intent originally when you wrote it for, for kind of both sides um, of the fence, like people kind of to all understand grief? Yeah, to be honest, I was writing because that's what I needed to do. Mm. And the book was in some ways a happy accident in the sense that by the time I was walking through these losses, I'd written so much and I was just periodically sending little essays or little paragraphs or little things that I would have written to friends or family members or my clients, people who I thought, oh, you're really struggling with this piece of grief. I've been thinking about that too. Let me send this to you. So I knew that in the rawness of what I was experiencing, that other people were there too, but I also knew that it's a time in which most of us don't have a ton of experience with it. You know, hopefully we don't lose lots and lots of people. Like it's sort of an edge state experience. We don't practice it very much. Mm -hmm. And so both for people going through it and for people around them who are supporting them, there's some mystery and some clumsiness that um, I, th I thought maybe I could help with. Yeah. And as a culture, I mean, there isn't really much about grief or I love how you're, you're saying there's two sides, there's grief and there's joy. You know, we usually only hear like, there's just grief, but the other side of it is joy. Like you were talking about, you felt like you were going back and forth between two of these worlds. Um, and I, I love how you're talking about how, when you were writing, it was, it sounds like it was all very organic. It just, it just happened throughout your life. You, you were writing to people and then it turned into this book. What I find really interesting about your book is like at the end of each chapter, there's a little workbook portion. Um, tell us, tell us more about like, how did that come about? That's not your typical thing in a book, you know? Yeah, I think I wanted so once I decided that it was going to be a book, then it, the writing shifted from something that was for me to something that was for others, like a gift to my community, to my clients, to my mm -hmm. friends, et cetera. And so as I made that shift, I began to think about, okay, I'm sharing my story, my experiences, my moments, but how do I really help this land for other people? And so I, I kind of put on my clinical psychologist hat to begin to think about, okay, if someone was in my office and we were talking about this, what would I recommend? What would I ask them to think about? Or what would I invite them to try? And so those are the things that got recorded at the end of each essay, these little take a moment sections where there's something to do or some way to interact with 
the experience of grief that I'm sharing in from my journey to sort of draw people into a deeper experience of their own journey with grief. Mm-hmm. And it makes it really tangible. Like here, try this exercise and it, then it, then it can be integrated into your life, you know, and, and I really appreciate that. And I tried some of them and, and they really helped. So thank mm. you. I think grief is a lot more dynamic than we give it credit for. I, the mm. default sort of assumption is that grief is sad. And that when you're in grief, you kind of sit still alone in a quiet room, maybe cuddled up under a blanket. And there are certainly those moments of grief, but grief also has a lot of energy to it. Mm. And I felt like I wanted to give people some choices about what to do with that energy. Mm, that, I mean, that is a great insight. I really, I really like that. You said that it, it is, it is an energy. Yeah. So let's talk about your chapter where you join the circus. And uh, this is a yoga podcast and you are a yoga teacher among many other things. I love how you get into aerial yoga (laughs) in this chapter. And if you want to share more about that and grief and what you wrote, I, I would love it if you could share some of that. Oh yeah. So I, I started my yoga journey about 15 years ago, but I moved from California to Minnesota Mm -hmm. about five years ago and really needed like an indoor activity. And I found myself sort of by accident, like on class pass in a aerial yoga class. And I was like, this, this is a thing I love. And so the past few years, really in a way that's corresponded with my dad getting sick and my brother really struggling. I've done a deeper dive into aerial arts, um, specifically aerial silks and more recently, a little bit of flying trapeze. And so I've really been grateful for the movement and the, the absorption that comes along with aerial arts, especially in the context of so much grief. So when I'm on the silks. It's the only thing I'm thinking about. And I feel kind of the strength and aliveness in my body. Mm -hmm. And I'm also just really in my body and out of my stories of grief or out of my like worries around, you know, what's going to happen with this and what about that? And, you know, it's just a really focusing practice. And I know yoga can be like that for lots of people as well. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, you know, the invitation to be both athletic, but also really emotionally expressive that Mm. exists in the circle circus arts has been quite a gift to me and my grief. And so one of the things that I now talk about in almost every setting that I'm in is to help people think through how they can find that thing that just kind of sweeps them up. And again, that can be yoga. It can be long distance running. It can be baking. Like there's lots of things like that. But for me, it's been the circus. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that, that, that resonated with you and it, it just, you could express yourself and it is athletic. It's very athletic. I took a class once. I did not know what I was getting into and <laughs> sore the special set of sore muscles. Yeah. It's you, like you different think, muscles I don't know. I, I, I thought it would be easier than what it was, but it was, yeah. it's very, a lot of fascia release too. Cause they, the yep. silks wrap around your legs and you're like, oh, I was going to say, I think your body has a a big reaction to, to that novel stimuli. So it's usually like the first couple classes are your body's like, ah, get me out of here. But it it eases in once your body recognizes like, oh, this isn't 
this isn't dangerous in the way that I think like being squeezed like that is it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. There's a little bit of a transition period and getting used to that. I love how you, you delve into some rituals to help with grieving in one of your chapters. Um, would you want to talk a little bit more about maybe the link between, if, is there a link between, you know, yoga practices and rituals in grieving? You know, the week that my dad was dying, we kind of call it the dying week because there was a week when I went home to stay with him. Um, and really to usher in and to support and help with all of the parts of dying. But that week I went to yoga twice a day. Sometimes I just was in practice rhythmically. I grew up in Northern California where we have a lot of these big fires. And so the woman that I ended up practicing with this dying week had lost her home in the car fire, which is uh, a pretty big fire that ripped through Northern California. Mm -hmm. And so we would just practice together and sweat and cry and sweat and cry. And it was such a beautiful joining of, you know, what it feels like to leave so much of your emotion on the mat and to really grieve with your whole body Mm -hmm. uh, was this really, really powerful experience that you know, I hadn't, I hadn't had anybody talk to me about that before, about the need to kind of grieve from your toes all the way to the top of your head and Mm -hmm. be in movement and to be in communion with someone else who also is holding grief. So that was one of the things that really caused or created some ease for me in that most intense period of, of helping to support someone who's dying. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I mean, really, I feel like we're all collectively grieving right now, given the times that we're in, right? And being, you know, in the Western culture, I don't feel there isn't a whole lot uh, of knowledge on grieving. And besides buying your book, what would you recommend for those who just have no idea where to start? Um, with a grieving process, what would you recommend? What advice would you give? I think one of the hardest parts about our culture is the noise and the difficulty that many of us have, myself included, with slowing down and tuning in and being able to really listen to what's happening inside. Mm. Because I think that's one of the things about grief that gets a little tricky is because we don't practice it we don't have a lot of experience. And so to have that inner wisdom of, of what do I need is an unpracticed, you know, skill in and of itself, but it's so important in grief because as I said before, grief is, is energy. It's tumultuous. It's up and down. It's sad. It's angry. It's elated. It's powerful. It's, it's so many things. And so I think the practice of tuning in when you're in deep grief and having quiet moments to do that body scan, to do that emotion scan and to think, what do I need? Where am I? What expression do I need to create or what space for expression do I need to create? Do I need the company of others? Do I need quiet, solitary moments? But really honoring what the soul, mind, body is longing for, I think is a a wonderful sort 
sort of lesson that grief can invite us to, Mm. but is also really difficult because we live in a really noisy world that has a lot to say about what we should be doing and what we should be feeling and how fast we should be moving and all the things. Yeah. And I, I will add to this just from reading your book, you model what, what grieving processing grief, I think be reading about people who have gone through it or going through it, having a model, I think is really helpful because it is a little bit of a mystery. Right. And so, yeah, again, the book is great for that. It it really helped me a lot to understand on a personal level, like what that might look like in a, in a human being, because it's not Mm -hmm. like you turn on the TV and you can see, um, uh, you know, somebody going through that process in a way that's, I mean, really healthy and it's kind of the shove it down method is kind of what we're all sort of universally or taught in the West. Hey friends, let me tell you about my favorite herbal store, Earth Commons. It's more than an herb shop. They also offer gifts, body care, massage, yoga therapy classes, and more. I highly recommend their mystery herb class. I have learned so much about herbs from this class. One of my favorite things to get at Earth Commons is their bulk medicinal herbs. I like to make it into a tea, and actually right now I'm drinking lemongrass and nettle tea, and it is so delicious. Their herbal tinctures are fantastic. I use them to help with easing tension, anxiety, allergies, and even a sore throat. It's also the perfect place to find gifts for those who are challenging to shop for. They have candles, incense, natural makeup, teas, jewelry, pottery, you name it, they got it. For a limited time, Earth Commons is giving our listeners, that's you guys, 10% off your first order when you use the promo code YOGAAND at checkout. You can find them if you're in the Austin area at 813 Springdale Road or visit them online at earth-commons.com. It's spelled E-A-R-T-H-C-O-M-M-O-N-S.com. I'll link all their info in the show notes so you're just one click away. And remember to use promo code YOGAAND to get 10% off your next order. Hey friends! I just discovered my new favorite yoga accessory, Yoga Knees. This product really saved my knees. Yoga Knees helps solve the problem of those times in class when we kneel on hard surfaces like your yoga mat. Now your knees can also be pain-free with Yoga Knees. They are super comfortable and made with durable material. Yoga Knees is a high-quality, built-to-last product. They are a woman-owned business manufactured by women and made in the USA. When you buy a pair of yoga knees, $1 of the proceeds goes towards St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Yoga Knees is giving you all 10% off your first order. Go to yoganees.com, that's spelled Y-O-G-A-K-N-E-E-S.com, and use promo code YOGAAND at checkout. The link is in the show notes. 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to use promo code Y-O-G-A-A-N-D to get 10% off. 
It can be overwhelming to know how to help others during these trying times. It seems like every day there's a new disaster catching our attention, and it's hard to keep up and know how to help. The Ukraine still needs our support. The war in the Ukraine has continued, and if you are able, please consider donating to the organization RASM. RASM is providing critical humanitarian war relief and recovery to address the Ukraine's most urgent needs. To support RASM, go to rasmfortheukraine.org. It's spelled R-A-Z-O-M-F-O-R-U-K-R-A-I-N-E dot org. I have provided the link in the show notes. Give what you can. And we're back. So what is, what is next for Sherry Walling? What are you going to, are you, are you working on another book or what is, what is in the works right now? Oh, that is such a, oh my gosh, I get so much anxiety about that question. <laughs> no, it's like excite, it's excitement anxiety. Um, I am a person who has a lot of interests, which is a gift and a curse. Um, I am, so I, in prepping for this book, in prepping to launch this book, I actually created a circus show uh, where I invited local artists here in the Twin Cities where I live. And we put together a beautiful show that we did for Mental Health Awareness Month in May. Oh. So I am hoping that we will have the opportunity to repeat that show in September, which is Suicide Awareness Month. And it's just mm. a nice time to um, invite people into thoughtful reflection around mental health and particularly suicide vulnerability, but using a medium that is surprising and expressive and beautiful and also really emotionally powerful. So I think if I just looking ahead a few months, that's one of the things that I would love to do again is to continue to use circus arts as a way to host really interesting, deep conversations around mental health and mental well-being. Wow. That is so creative. And that is not what I expected you would say. I thought you're like, Oh, I'm working on this book. <laughs> I have more books in my head, but yeah, also I'm, yeah. I'm just in a circusy space. So. I love it. Can, okay. Can you explain more about like what is, so say someone's in Minnesota in September and we want to go see it. What, what, what would that show look like exactly? Yeah. So we put together a series of pieces that are from different bodies using different apparatuses, mm -hmm. but brings a through line of a story around what it feels like to struggle with a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. So we begin with connection. Mm -hmm. So there's two people on a trapeze who are in symmetry. It's very joyful and playful and um, it's very cohesive. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the course of the story, the artists begin to spin maybe more chaotically. We use a sear wheel, which is like a, a wheel that is spins on the ground. It's like the size of someone's body, or we use a lira, which is a, a wheel or a hoop that's suspended from the ceiling. Cool. And we kind of tell the story of disorientation and how someone experiences um, depression, maybe addiction, and this sort of unraveling of the self. And then we have some pieces that talk about how that feels to their community, right? To the people that love them. Um, and then in this particular story, there's an experience of grief of someone losing their battle to mental health. And then the way that the rest of the community responds. So it's like 10 different acts and each has a different emotional quality and each has a different circus artist. So we've got some fire performers and contortion and it's really, really beautiful. That's so cool that, so it, it's a, it tells a story 
and yep. it's very emotional. Are they, is there a big circus community where you live or is it, are these people coming from out of town or? There is actually a big circus community okay. where I live, which like, it's sort of a surprise, little, little Minneapolis, St. Paul, yeah, but um, yeah. there's a circus training school here called Circus Juventus, oh. which oh. takes kids. And some of those kids grow up and they are 40 year olds and they still want to practice circus. And so there's a lot of circus sort of across the lifespan here, which is really lovely. That's so cool. So uh, podcaster to podcaster. I love your podcast, by the way. How did, how did, so you do, you do do a lot, like definitely. And you also podcast. How did that all start for you? You just one day just thought, Hey, let's, let's get into this podcasting world. Or was it just, how did that happen? Well, I um, am one of the world's youngest retired professors. (laughs) So I actually worked as an academic and I was a teaching professor um, doing a lot of research and I trained for that job for many years as one does, Mm -hmm. um, trained at some of the best places in the country, Yale University School of Medicine and Boston University School of Medicine. So I thought I would have this great life as an academic, but um, there were a lot of things about it that really didn't fit for me. So over the course of really listening to my own experience, I resigned from that job, but I still wanted to have a way to both share what I was learning to sort of both be a teacher and to interview and like be a learner myself. And so podcasting felt like a great way to jump into that. Mm -hmm. So I started my first podcast in like 2015, sort of early. And I did that for a little while. And then I transitioned to Zen founder, which is the podcast that I started, I think in 2017 and, and still doing. And that's all about the intersection between mental health and entrepreneurship. So it was really this extension of my, my life as a teacher and a learner that led me into podcasting. It's been a wonderful medium for that. Yeah. It's very inspirational. I love your episodes and, um, I, I get a lot out of them. Uh, so let's talk more about yoga and grieving. What, what might be some more thoughts on that? You know, grief really deepened my, uh, like profound appreciation for Stavasana. And I think as I was beginning my yoga teaching journey and studying yoga and practicing, you know, there's this, this idea of corpse pose. And I just sort of thought of it as like, oh, that's when we just rest sort of at the end, right. It's where your heart sort of calms down and you restore your breathing and you get ready to transition. But it's all of that. And, and the, and for me was this like almost communing with these people that I'd loved that are dead now. Mm. And it was the moment in my life and in my practice where I felt most, almost like I was practicing being with them. That sounds very macabre, but, um, it's this transitional state between your living, moving, breathing body. And then this invitation to practice non-being right. To practice what it feels like to not be exerting effort and motion and ambition and movement and action just to be in the nothingness. And it was really a powerful bridge for me from the two worlds, right? The world of big motion and writing and busy and alive. And I'm doing a circus and blah, blah, blah to this space of 
people I love so much are not here anymore. And that just sort of blows my mind as an idea, but, but corpse power, Savasana is that space of bridging the two worlds for me mm-hmm. and the stillness and the ability to tolerate the nothingness. Um, I didn't know that I was practicing for grief, all of those yoga classes that I was doing that, oh. but I feel like I was getting ready in a way that I didn't know that I needed to. Oh, wow. What a huge perspective that is. It's a, yeah, it's an unexpected gift of the practice. Mm-hmm. Cause again, most you know, you go to exercise classes. They're not like, and now we will practice being dead. Like it's just not a, (laughs) not a thing we do in Western culture, super uncomfortable with it. But I think that's where some of that, that Eastern mysticism and the tradition of yoga is such a gift. Even if you're, you know, aren't someone who does like a super deep dive into all of the philosophy around it. Um, the practice of stillness and nothingness is like really, a deep and desired state to be in, I think, in, in our Western society. So let's talk about the sandwich generation. So that generation of, you know, usually women taking care or people taking care of their young kids and then, you know, family members at the same time and grief and yoga. What, what are your thoughts on the sandwich generation? Yeah. So that is this phase of life where you're both helping people get started and helping people end. Mm. And so I'm 43 now. I, I sort of turned 40 the year that my dad and brother died. So it was like, right. Hello, midlife crisis, right? Like, and, and at that time I had, my kids were eight, eight and 11. So I had elementary school, beginning in tween phase of parenting where you're like, I'm really just paying attention to everything. So being in that place of, of both as again, this reflection on the duality on the two worlds for me, where I would literally go one day from like sitting with my dad at Mayo clinic, thinking through like what chemo regimen he was going to do and really understanding like, this is how his life is going to end. And I would go from that place to like planning for my kids, you know, orchestra concert and celebrating their gifts and aliveness and their movement. And I think especially as women, and I don't mean this is not exclusionary to men in any way, but I think there are some, um, different invitations or maybe cultural expectations around how women show up in care taking roles within their family. But it really is the, the sense of whiplash of being able to like have to switch from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's both wonderful and exciting to have that flexibility, mm-hmm. but I think it can leave you a little sore. Like whiplash does right. That sense of where am I? And the pull to show up for people that you love in these very important experiences in their lives. I mean, being with my dad when he died was profound. It was very similar to birthing my children. Like, it's like, you only do this a couple of times and you want to be all in and fully present. But I think there's a little danger in getting lost, right? Losing your anchoring of where you are as a human, who you are as a human, how you're caring for yourself as a human, um, when you are caretaking sort of on all sides. And I I think about that, especially for people who are also uh, teaching yoga. And for me as a a psychotherapist, like every interaction I have with a human, they like 
needs something from me that's very legitimate and important and I want to show up for, but it has to be counterbalanced with my own sense of like being nourished and nourishing myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate that uh, insight on the sandwich generation and that whiplash is a very real thing. Where can we buy your book and where can we connect with you online, Sherry? Yeah. So the book is available for order really in all book places. So you can get it from your independent bookstore. You can get it from Amazon and, you know, Barnes and Nobles, all the things. Um, if you're curious about the circus show, we do have um, some photos from the show on the website, touching two worlds. Mm -hmm. And that has, there's some photos of my family and just sort of a little bit of the backstory of this journey. So that's an, it's a nice resource to check out. Um, and then I'm online at Sherry Walling on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook and all the places yeah. <laughs> like practicing being an extrovert <laughs> on the internet. Go. I know. Right. And Zen founder, you can get that, I believe on all the platforms, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. All the links you mentioned will be in the show notes. So you're just one click away from connecting with Sherry. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so awesome to chat with you today. It's a delight, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Yoga and Living in Joy and Grief with the lovely Sherry Walling. Check out her podcast, Zen Founder, and get Sherry's new book, Touching Two Worlds. Also, connect with her online. All of Sherry's info is in the show notes, so you're just one click away. Let us know how you like the episode. We love hearing from you. Please email us at yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out, Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. Please follow us on Instagram at Yoga and Podcast. We would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show. It's what helps us reach new listeners. And while you're at it, please rate and review all the other podcasts you like too. This small act is priceless to podcasters and can really show your support. And it really just takes a minute of your time. The theme song is performed by Allie Holder graphics, guest booking, and media by Bentley and Chloe Productions. Thank you for listening.